Are you not going to see all the squares this time? Uh, no, it is not. We are webinar style. We're upgrade. Got it. Got I to it. Pay $40 more a month on this zoom. So you guys better enjoy <laughs> it. I, I, I kind of like, I like seeing all, I like seeing everyone's fucking face. Damn it. Now it's just <laughs> you two. Damn it. Well, I can, you can change the view. I think. No, it's still us. All, all our yeah. ugly mugs. It's all yeah. good. It's all good. So, um, yeah, so I'll record this. We'll be sharing it on our tribe Facebook group. Um, the enduring coronavirus Facebook group. Uh, if you're not a part of that, uh, search it inside of Facebook enduring coronavirus. You will find it. Otherwise, we'll also be sharing it on our website and posting that onto our Tribe public Facebook uh, page. So uh, follow us there. Follow Stu and, and uh, Jason, both at WTF Gym Talk and at NC Fit. Are their, uh, their handles, they'll have a lot more information, I'm sure, throughout this. But thanks so much for joining, guys. Let's get this started. Okay, so um, I was thinking about sharing a, a bit from a Google email, uh, like a long-winded piece. But instead of doing that, I'm just going to highlight a, a really key phrase that I, I, I thought stood out to me, which was, right now, times are all about finding a balance between leading and learning. And the whole angle here is what we're doing right now is all about learning from each other, learning best practices, not necessarily purporting that we have the answers and are experts in every single domain and know, you know COVID like the back of our hand and know what you specifically should be doing. This is simply... Um, I think as Jason might've mentioned in a previous episode, you know, us sharing ideas on how we're approaching it. And the angle in this entire webinar is around the approach, right? How we are approaching thinking about risks that, that are either known or unknown and, and how to mitigate those moving forward. So that's, that's the purpose here. So we're thankful that you guys are both taking the time and for all of you joining us now, thank you for, for joining us and, and donating an hour of your day. So, um, one other piece I'll list here is, is around controlling what you can control. So take into account some of the things that we already know exist and we can react to, as well as taking into account some things that we don't know, like uh, what the future holds for you know, a good majority of you folks. So uh, I won't drone on anymore. I'm excited to have on Jason Kalipa, founder of NC Fit, and Stuart Brower, founder of WTF Gym Talk and owner of Urban Movement. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. So why don't you um, kick us off? The, the call we had had was really around simplifying a very high-level approach to reopening people's gyms. And what we really came up with was, can you open your gym? Should you open your gym? And then how to open your gym. So <laughs> as you guys know, I think everybody is all focused on how to open their gym. And they're almost getting started, you know, way ahead. They're putting the cart before the carriage, the carriage before the horse. That's it. So I want to start with just talking about can you open, especially since Jason's in California and they've went through some stuff where the federal government says, hey, gyms are phase one, right? And then all of a sudden the governor in Cal or the state of California says, just kidding, they're in phase three. So I think it's important to understand that the federal government can say one thing, but the state ultimately gets to determine how uh, businesses open or do not open in their state. Um, so let's talk about that. So can you open is this first high level phase. Why don't we start with you, Jason, and, and how you've kind of approached this because you've had probably the biggest swing from what I think <laughs> ex expectation was versus what, what reality looks hey, like right now. Well, I mean, Stu, all three of us were on the phone a couple of days ago and I think what was really important, and I know Stu uh, and Evan both feel this way, is that in, in these times, there's no perfect answer. There's no perfect solution. There's Every business is different. Every organization has different uh, resources and whatnot. But that being said, 
we can talk about three key things. Can you open is more or less black and white, which Stu and I will talk about. It's pretty, it's very little, there's some gray in there, but it should be black and white. Um, uh, should you open is, uh, again, a little bit of a gray area that I know Stu wanted to talk about a little bit more. And then how do you open? So I think all of us have been talking about how do we open, how do we open, how do we open? But I think before we even get there, we need to start addressing this idea of like, if you look at the Georgia documents that came out. So today we had a NCFIC collective webinar with uh, just the gyms that utilize our programs. And one of the owners came on who's open in Georgia and he opened with certain criteria. And when we asked the question about the Georgia documents that came out, technically said there could be no group style training. Now, his lawyers interpreted it a little bit differently because of some of the regulations in there, especially if it's less than 10 people or 15 people. But the point being is I think each one of us on this call needs to do a deep reflection, ask ourselves one very important question. Am I legally allowed to open or am I not? And then on top of that, if there's gray area, which in Georgia, I would call that a gray area, what is my appetite for risk? So those are the two things I think we need to balance here. Because for us at NC Fit, we are we are 100%. So when it comes to like accounting and certain stuff, eh, a little gray area, we're, yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out, right? But when it comes to this, there really isn't a gray area because for us, we have too much risk and liability. If God forbid someone comes in and let's just say they contract COVID or they break their back or whatever happens, when this gets to insurance and the insurance starts saying, okay, what was the date of your injury? They're gonna say, oh, uh, May 15th, whatever. Okay, but what I'm looking at is that the state of California didn't allow you know, this to happen or the county that you're in wouldn't allow you to be open. So why were you open? And because you weren't open legally, I'm afraid that the insurance companies won't cover us. So that's a major factor that we need to think about in terms of can you open, I think is something we need to address. And then you as an owner need to recognize how much variance am I okay with? If you have a hundred members and you think everybody's being cool and all the vibes are right, maybe go with it. But you also need to think about if someone gets hurt or if something happens or if the state comes in, public perception is one thing. Your member's perception of you opening early, that's one thing. But your risk and liability is a whole nother that I think uh, Sue and I wanted to address because I think that's a, that's a major factor that could take you under real, real quick. Everybody's familiar with the story of Shelly Luther at this point. Shelly Luther is the salon owner in Texas who took the mandate that she wasn't allowed to open her salon and she ripped it up, said, fuck you to the courts. And they actually put a restraining order on her going to her own business. She still opened up. They jailed her. And then through a $500,000 GoFundMe account and letters to the Trump and to the governor, she's out. And now it's kind of a staple. And Shelly Luther is now propped up as this like example of like, fuck the man, keep your business open, like that kind of thing. Right. And it, and so there's a lot of um, his, there's a lot of you know rah rah from all small business owners around the Shelley Luther story in Texas, and what I would tell you is I do believe practically I I do believe this is a forgiveness over permission scenario. There's not a task force, but what Jason's saying is 100 right. If it goes to insurance, meaning a standard injury that would have happened to your place, COVID, post-COVID, pre-COVID, whatever, or someone contracts something. Now, again, I don't think any of our insurance companies are going to take any claims because no one can prove they got it from your facility. But Jason's dead on. If you're not supposed to be open and anything were to happen, a coach sexually harasses somebody, somebody's car gets dinged in the parking lot, something happens and it goes through insurance, 
and you're hoping that your insurance gets out with you and you weren't supposed to be open, you're not going to, you're not going to get help. Do I think a task force is going to bust through the front door while you're training 13 people instead of 10? No, I don't think any of us believe that to be the case, but it's a very simple thing is your reputation takes a long time to build. It only takes one instance of you being a fuckhead to mess this whole thing up and to lose the respect and the trust of not only the, the prospect of community that might have done business with you in the future, but your current members who guys remember right now, everything is flex. If I would have told you back in uh, February, guys, I'm going to let you, you're going to run your business for nine weeks and you're not going to let anyone in the doors and they're still all going to pay you. You'd be like, there's no way. Customers have flex now. Like they are willing to bend with you because they know you're working in uncharted times. And I know a lot of you are ready to get open immediately, but realize you don't have to take them from working out in their living room to getting them back to exactly what they had. There are steps. That's why you know, these phases. I believe that a lot of you guys who are trying to rush the opening of your business, like you're really, you're sending letters to the governor to be an essential business and whatever efforts you're going through. I get it and I empathize with all of it. I just think people are real, you, in my opinion, you're sprinting to a traffic jam because as we'll discuss, there are so many logistical nightmares that, that business is still not going to run as normal. Even if you get open tomorrow and you run business as normal, new client acquisition, right? From scheduling and operational capacity, how many people you could fit in, liability, what happens if somebody catches a case? Do you even have enough sanitary products? Like, all these things come into play. It's not as simple as, man, why isn't my governor opened me up yet? This sucks. Like Jason is screwed. He's in California and New York. Are, are, Jason, what are you thinking? August, July? What are you thinking? August. Oh, fucking August. And you don't see Jason trying to like, again, like, could he petition that NC Fit is a place for mental and emotional health and how it should be open just like a grocery store or a fucking hospital or anything else? He could. But then you also realize he is one element of a larger business ecosystem. And I, I, me personally, I'm not, I don't want to speak for Jason. I, I could do the same thing. I don't believe, I want to go, I want to be in sync with the rest of my business ecosystem. We've been setting up town hall meetings with local businesses in Charlotte to talk about our anger that we can't be open, but we're all in this together. And there's no one that's more special than the other business. Like I should be open and fuck you. Like I'm telling you guys, I think the biggest thing I'm hearing. I need to be open. I should be open. It's stupid that Walmart's open. Guys, I, I get it. There's just so much more that goes into opening up your doors after this because there is no going back to normal. You guys realize regular flu season's right around the corner. How are you going to fucking know if Sally has the regular flu or that chick's got COVID when she sneezes Whoa. in class? So Stu, I think we need to get into the fact of like, should you be opening or not? But from just a legal perspective, I think it's like black and white. And I think yes. everybody on this call you know, Shane had a question. Does it make sense to get something in writing from your insurance carrier when you look to open? Um, sure, Shane. I mean, if you're looking to open early and you send a message to your insurance carrier, I don't see why not, right? Um, if that makes sense for you, if you have a good relationship with your insurance carrier. But I, I think there's a lot of factors that you're seeing come to fruition here. If your financials were not in, in good order before this happened, you're at a pretty tough position for a few reasons. If, you're, if your financials were in order and you had all your P&L locked in, that is really great ammunition to go back and negotiate with your landlord. But if you didn't track your revenue, that's a very challenging thing. So let's talk about something real quick on while we're on the subject of like, is it legal or not? Or, or can you open or not? Like uh, workman's comp, right? Uh, the sexual harassment type stuff. All of these factors that we think about are additional components. And we're not here to say, I'm not at least going to tell you right or wrong. Like if you decide that it is in your best interest to open your business, that's fine. 
just recognize it's not just public perception you're going to be up against, right? Because that's one factor, of course. Like, oh, they're opening up ahead of time. Okay, maybe, maybe you're okay with that. But how about all the additional risks that you have? We just want you to be aware of those things yeah. because it's not a game. And yeah, go ahead. I was say, me and Jason, I just replied to two people in the comments, my girl, Nikki, and then uh, Anthony. And just, guys, we're not insurance agents. Don't ask us if you should have a COVID waiver. We don't give you, we're not insurance people. Ask your insurance company if you should have a COVID waiver. Um, what legality are the states going that are verifying whether you can be open? I don't know. I'm not a fucking lawyer. Ask your lawyer about that. Like, the, there's things in here. We're literally talking, I think the best, the most value guys will get out of this call is when we start talking about our thoughts of how, you know, Jason's running an enterprise in multiple locations and how he's thinking of opening the things that are going in his head, what I'm thinking of my side on the East coast. And I think that's going to be kind of the thing, but the questions and stuff of regarding insurance waivers and COVID liability things and legality, we're not lawyers and insurance people. You guys pay people to answer these questions for you. Yeah. And there's you're, another you're thing too, paying them. unlike the protocol side where people are saying, you know, what, what I mean, we haven't, uh, our state hasn't assigned protocols to us yet. So not sure. Like there's a lot of question marks there. Like sh sure. And going back to what we started with, which is like controlling what you can control, there's already a lot of information. If you look in Georgia, if you look at uh, Texas and, and how they're treating some of those new businesses that are opening up, um, look at SoulCycle. I recently posted something about SoulCycle who posted, yeah. here's our new you know, uh, nationwide requirements for our, our gyms. Like, is that exactly what your gym should be doing? No. But is it going to get you probably 80% of the way there? Like that's the way I think you need to preemptively start thinking about like, can I meet all of this? Great. If there's stuff in addition to it, then we'll deal with that. But at least you're not dealing with the whole thing. Well, and SoulCycle, for those of you that aren't on their email list, they actually sent out a really, a little long-winded, but a really great um, email campaign, I would call it, um, getting ahead of the challenges. So if you haven't checked that out, you, you could find it online. But I want to address a few things. So we're, we're pivoting from can you open? I think every, everybody on this call could sit there and be like, can I open? It's, it's a legal conversation and it's an emotional conversation since like, what are you okay with? As long as you know what's on both sides, right? And if you know, then go do whatever the hell you want. The second question is, I think we really need to dive into right now, we can talk about this for hours, is should you open? And the one factor I wanted to kind of shine light on before Stu starts talking about additional you know, expenses is before we get into the additional expenses of opening, let's talk about rent, okay? So right now, for our company, we have a large amount of rent that is due, a, a large, a large amount. And every month that goes by, I'm thinking about this as a very large number that's gonna get even larger. And at some point, I need to sit down with my landlord because the future of the boutique fitness space has changed for a long time to come. Same with restaurants. We can only accommodate so many people, whereas before we had a different model, we signed a lease based on 20 people in class, let's just say. But if we can only accommodate 10 people in class, that is a substantial difference. And I need to go back to our landlord and say, hey, look at our revenue. We were doing X amount for month, month, month. Now it's dropped. And because of class capacity, we anticipate that we're going to see a 30% reduction in revenue. Therefore, for us to sustain our business, we need to see X decrease in rent. And before you open, that's a very important discussion because once you open, you lose a little bit of that negotiating power, right? I'm currently talking to all my landlords, be like, guys, I can't pay anything. I can't pay anything. I can't pay anything. I'm going to keep saying that until I get information from when I could actually open. Then at that point, I'm going to go back to our landlord and say, guys, this is where we're at. These are the requirements set by my state. 
I can only accommodate half the amount of people. I need to see a reduction in rent of this amount and or else I'm, I'm out. Let's just say your landlord will probably work with you because who else are they going to put in, especially right now? So I just wanted to bring that up as the first piece. I know Stu will talk about additional pieces, but I think the first piece is before you open, have you had these negotiation conversations with your landlords? If you can't, you lose some of that negotiating power as soon as you open the doors. It's a good point. Yeah, you guys 100% should do that. And as a landlord myself, I'm getting with my tenants, same thing. I, I'm not the one with the leverage. They are. I do not want to have them go out of business and leave because I'm being a hard ass on the rent. And then I have to go find a new tenant with a new fair market value that I promise fair market value in July of 2020 will not be as great as it was in January of 2020. So now I've got to go ahead and get tenants in it, you know, at a less rent rate. I'd rather keep these guys. I like these guys. They work. Give them a break. And uh, so you guys, Jason's 100% right. Talk to your landlords. Um, and uh, you definitely have the leverage though. Yeah. And by the way, on that note with the landlords, my recommendation is go to them with maximum ammunition. I mean, walk in there and be like, guys, I hope you've been having clean P&Ls, right? But you show them, right? And however you want to, you know, you could, you could take the digital revenue. Maybe you opened up a new account. Who knows what you did, right? But you want to show them like exponentially, like there is a decrease in our business. Oh, and by the way, we're changed for the foreseeable future. Because for example, the gentleman that we just had on the phone from a collective member, he had 320 members, went into COVID, maintained most of his members. Um, he also had a reduction uh, by 40% of their, their uh, rate. So he dropped people who chose not to rent equipment by 40%, which I thought was a good idea. We, did, we took a little bit of a different take. But now when he reopened, he used to have 14 classes with like, let's just say, I don't know, anywhere from 10 to 20 people. I mean, classes range, right? He has a big location. But he got rid of 14 classes. And now he has seven capping them at 15. So if that's his new normal, hypothetically, he probably can't accommodate all 320 members and he surely can't get up to the 500 that we're hoping for. So he needs to go back to his landlord and, and, and see adjustments there. And it's not like you're like asking shooting for the stars. That's just practical math. Uh, all restaurants are gonna have to go through this. Yeah, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, and to sum it up too, it's, it's just like thinking about what is your current earning power? Like, what are you capable? Of? Like operational capacity is a common thing that we think about in terms of how much revenue can you generate? How many people can you fit in? That's been significantly changed, uh, at least, you know, indefinitely, really. So it should be updated with your earning power. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Where do you want to go, go, go here, Evan? I got a couple. I got a couple. So, I mean, we're talking about projecting expenses. And, and I think this kind of goes to the other side of that, which is also projecting income. I think that kind of goes hand in hand with what you had said a few days ago, Jason, talking about like the athlete mindset and like listening to your members. So maybe we want to go into projecting expenses and what that might look like. Really, you have to start considering what that income side looks like and how many members you can expect and talking to them, how many are going to come back. Like, how are you guys kind of thinking like that? You're a little ways out. So I don't know if it makes sense for you to like survey people in five months if we come back. But I think that's a valid thing for a lot of gyms who are closer uh, to that point yeah. to be doing. How are you thinking about it? Well, so for us, we're about to put out another message today or tomorrow to our members just saying, hey, we're thinking of you. We appreciate you. But we, you know, I think for any gym that's in a state that they think is going to push out far. And when I say far, I mean, July, August, maybe even worse, right? I think that there has to be a reconciliation on the price someone's paying and the service they're receiving. And for a short period of time, you could keep the price high. And let's just say the market calls for anywhere from 
25 to $50 a month for an online uh, training subscription. Let's just call it that, right? Um, an in-gym membership ranges anywhere from 100 to let's just say 250, right? You had been currently charging a, a, a 3X multiplier on a digital only. So if your digital only at the most is 50 and you're charging 150, that can only sustain for so long before your members start asking for what's going on. So I think that if you're in a state that's gonna drag on, like California, I'm happy that we rolled out a, a $40 a month membership earlier on, because I think that's gonna help me be less stressed because it's gonna create a sustainable model that can move on almost indefinitely if I wanted to. Um, so that was one of the things I think we did. Now, um, yeah, uh, Stu, you did, you, you're kind of taking a little bit of a different approach, right? Sure. Yeah. So real quick on that, you know, I'm in North Carolina, opposite side of the coast of Jason, and we today is our first day in phase one. And um, a lot of you guys, as you ease in these phases, the government regulated phases, we have our own. And I'm a big, and first off, I just want to make sure every gym here should have at least the three-phase approach that is separate than what their government is, because yours has got to obviously be micro-detailed. They're not going to tell you guys at the government level to make sure that you have contactless check-ins, no more iPads at the front desk, right? So just have your own three-phase thing. We could talk about that more. Um, on the financial side of it, you know, we kept our memberships where they are. We offered a 50% reduction if you were furloughed. And, and because we're going to be opening back up, we're going to be able to go to outdoors. Be via, like outdoors will be in part of my phase one, online and outdoors. Phase two will be limited indoors, outdoors and online. And phase three will be online and indoors to whatever capacity. But we don't have that all figured out yet until we get more regulations. But on the financial side, guys, I, what I need you to understand with opening the doors, a lot of you are opening and, I, and it's, 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 it feels to me like a very desperate act. If you're opening and you're in a hurry to open, it's because you've done your survey and 90% of your members are like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm not scared. Get me in there, coach. Clean and jerks for days. Or it's number two, you're running on fumes and you have no cash left and you think this is the only thing that's going to maybe bring some of those cancellations and those freezes and holds back in. Or you fear what I've been calling the cancellation over uh, avalanche looming over you. And what Jason was talking about, people are only going to keep paying for so long. And you're like, fuck, I got to get the doors open because I don't want that thing crashing down in my head. But realize this, with limited capacity, 10 people per class, 12 people, per, whatever it is, and you, those are now high value spots, high value. You have so many members trying to get these, these few spots. When are you going to allow prospects to come in and check things out? And are you going to go ahead and say, well, I can have 15 people in a class, but I'm going to keep two spots open you know, in our registration system so I can put some prospects in there. And then Sally's going to find out that she couldn't register for class. And then Tina's going to tell her, yeah, well, he had two other guys in there that he was trying to, I, I guess they're new, new people joining. And that's going to get back to you. Like, hey, I've been supporting you for eight weeks. I haven't been pay I've been paying my full price and I can't get in the class because you have to, we just also realized the new cash coming in and the way if you break down a micro gym, you look at it, a part of our revenue is recurring EFT, electronic funds transfer. A part of our revenue is point of sale cash, new sales, whatever that may look like or whatever model you have. The new sales has done. You haven't been making new sales for the most part. You haven't. You've been living off your, off your EFT, your subscription. That's what you've been living off of. How do you fix a model and, and moving into your and getting your doors open? I'm just curious because I haven't heard a good plan yet. How are you going to now acquire that new cash? If you're a group, if you're a straight to class model, right? Group fitness is your bread and butter. The PT first kids, the OPEX kids, the individual design kids, that's a different story. But for you guys that are what I call a straight to class model, you know, group fitness is your bread and butter. You, 
the only way to get new cash is to get new people into those classes. It's going to be very difficult to bring new bodies in when you already have a, an audience that has been paying you. And now they're wondering, when can I get in? And if you do the math on a 200 member gym, and let's say you're only allowed to have 10 to 12 people per class, you're going to have to limit people who had unlimited memberships. You can't have Johnny showing up six days a week and chewing up six spots in your classes with that are limited to 12 to 15 people. Not everybody will be able to get through. It's basic math. How many classes do you have? What is your cap? How many total members do you have? What is the average attendance? This is where things like unlimited memberships will get a little hairy because you might not be able to allow someone to come unlimited in your first phase, which I think is going to be okay. I think you could restrict people, but then should they pay the same price? Same thing Jason's saying. There's going to have to be price reconciliations for some of these gyms. But on the financial side, guys, really think how are you going to acquire new cash? You've done a great job during the worst of it, keeping the recurring subscription going. What is your play for new cash coming in? That I think is going to be the trickiest thing for a group fitness model right now. You know, I just want to kind of shine light on something Stu was talking about. We are not in a rush to open. We are not. Now, I understand why some of you might be in a rush. I do. But as my mom told me a long time ago, patience is a virtue, right? She would always tell me that. And if you're patient, you can identify what other gyms are doing nearby you that is working. You can identify what is working in other states. And you can also be patient with your members. Um, but if you're too patient, then they might get impatient. They might leave you. But if you're too reactive, you might go buy cleaning supplies that won't work. You might um, you know, open up and not be able to accommodate your members. But if you had just waited another week or two, maybe the government would have relaxed things a little bit and it would have provided a more premium experience for your members. So I think where Stu's shining interesting light is that each, each gym owner listening needs to take a step back and say, okay, what is our state mandating today? Okay, cool. Now, do I think in the next week or two, they might relax that a little bit because it might make sense for me to hold off, open up two weeks from now, and then have bigger class capacity, have less, you know, constricting and be able to provide a premium experience for our members. You know, let's not even talk about members left and they were able to high five, chest bump and do it without their shirt on, right? Now they're coming back, shirt on, I think should be there anyways, but they can't high five, they can't chest bump and they have to stay six feet away from each other. And in California, I wouldn't be surprised to say you need to wear a mask, right? And so it might be better for us just to hold off a little bit keep providing high quality digital content, maybe do some stuff outside, then have them come in, take on the additional burden where now we're having our rent kick in for sure. You can't negotiate anymore. Cleaning supplies expense, salary expense. Now you're having all these people come off unemployment. What does that look like? So just something for everybody to think about is maybe in this particular case, patience could be good. It could also drag you on too long. Yeah. There's a little bit of a fear too to rush to open, I think, from the competitive side of things where you're like, oh, there's a gym a mile and a half down the street who's going to try and push to open uh, as soon as uh, it's humanly possible. Do you guys think there's value in, and maybe some people are already doing this regionally, because I know every, every gym owner, fitness studio owner, CrossFit box owner, et cetera, you, usually knows a few of the, the folks in the, their area, right? Is it worthwhile to be partnering with these types of folks and coming to like some type of general agreement where you, I mean, to can ease your own stresses and at, at some point, like just bring collective knowledge into the center of Charlottesville or wherever you're at to be like, let's, let's not open immediately and let's actually have like a create like a local plan. business coalition kind of thing. I mean, and like, just, Hey, let's have an agreement or understanding if your fear is that you're going to lose members as opposed to just doing it safely, doing it right. Like 
I would be hard pressed to find, I feel like other small business owners who would not want to get involved in something like that. Real quick, my fear of this is when you say lose members, and that's what a lot of these gym owners are afraid of right now. My yep. question is, where do the, lose them to who? And that's when you hear, that's the gym owner tells you they're hearing footsteps. Well, if I don't open yet, Stu, because you and Jason suggested that I have enough cleaning and sanitation supplies, which I don't, um, because I need to have a plan in place for what happens if somebody pops a case of COVID 15 days after I reopen, and I don't. If I like all these things, right? But another gym down the street, Stu, opened up, and I am scared my members are going to leave and go there now. And my, my response to you is, how is that possible? I know Jason and myself are not scared because you can't get what we offer at the gym down the street. It's the same mentality I had before COVID. A lot of you guys are going to hear other gyms opening up very quickly, and in my opinion, it's an act of desperation. And if you don't believe it's safe for you to open up, or you don't have the right supplies or the logistics and everything in place, and you're going to hold off a week or 10 days urban movement, my gym, we're holding off 10 to 15 or more days behind the state. I'll be the last to open up. I want to sit back and see the shit storm happen and so I can pick apart the good versus right, the bad versus good plays. But guys, think about this. Where, where are they going to go? When you say they're going to cancel, then, they're, then that just means, hey, I just can't pay you anymore if I'm not getting anything. As soon as you get back open, I'd assume that would turn back on. Again, there's the economy taking a hit. Jobs are being lost. There's a lot of factors that are involved here. But please do not open up out of fear because another gym in town is doing it. Opening up early. That, that's something I've been hearing a lot of. I've got some gyms in Georgia as well. I've got gyms in Texas and they're playing with the idea. And it just don't be fearful of the gym in town also opening up. Your members are going to go there in the same realm. If any of you guys are one of those towns that had the 30 Gold's gyms go out of business or any of the TSI locations or anything like that, the big global gyms have taken a huge hit since this. Don't also think you're going to like gather up a bunch of clients from a globo gym going out of town down the street. It's a completely different avatar, completely different client. Stick with opening based on legality and insurance. And then should you, do you have all the things in place? And if any of you guys are opening, I'm really curious, please send me a picture of your stockpile of either wipes or anti, you know, the disinfectant and your Lysol sprays. Cause I've been calling out even my own clients that I love or like I'm opening up. I'm like, I, how much of this, 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 this do you have? What is your cleaning protocol? Yeah, no, we got plenty. And then when I dig in, they don't fucking have plenty. None of us have plenty right now. You know how hard it is? Do you know how irresponsible it is for you to open up and you don't have enough wipes? You don't have an actual cleaning protocol in place? Uh, well, I got some bleach. I'm going to pour it in here and pour a bunch of water in and shake that up. Like, dude, it, do be responsible with it. You're, I mean, it's, don't be walking around with a loaded gun like that. That's just completely irresponsible and should be one of the biggest reasons you don't open if you don't have the proper equipment, cleaning equipment to fight this thing. Yeah, and I think now I wanna, we're starting uh, to move into to the how to open section. Uh, we'll, we'll let you go in a second, Jason, but the new process yeah. and policy, this is pretty much right in line with that. Talking about cleaning supplies as kind of a step one of what are you going to be doing differently on the reopen? Yeah, I want to just shine some like positive light here. So I know that we've been like, I don't want to call it negative, but just being real. Like, I think we're being real in the sense that these are things that every owner needs to think about. And I think that a lot of people got into the fitness space because they were passionate about it. They were excited about it. And I, I appreciate that. I really do. But at the end of the day, we took on a lot of risk and liability by opening a brick and mortar location. And with that gloriness, glor, glor, whatever you want to call it. Of glorious walking is into, definitely a word. Use yeah, it, glorious. Rocket. With that gloriness of walking into your own brick and mortar and having the members there and, and being able to celebrate that also comes with it a lot of responsibility. And with that responsibility um, comes 
professionalism and understand they're running a business and it's not a hobby. And I hope that through this COVID experience, it's opened a lot of owners' minds to the fact that if your stuff wasn't in order, you know, and you're 1099ing people, you should have been W2ing, there goes your PPP support hypothetically, right? And if you haven't looked into PPP as one of the owners on this call, you really should. If you haven't looked into EIDL, you really should. And if you've gotten PPP money, you really need to take a step back and make sure that you're appropriately navigating that situation. And if you have any questions specifically about it, let us know. We're not experts in PPP, but I'm an expert enough to know this. It is a 1% loan for two years that is payroll protection plan, meaning it is designed to go towards payroll. That, that, was, the, that was the heart of the deal. And so if you think you're gonna be able to just get free money or whatever, you're probably mistaken. And so make sure you do your research on the PPP because it's a loan that needs to be shown otherwise and not vice versa. It's not free money. Um, so, but anyways, on the bright side, sorry, I went down a total tangent, I apologize. On the bright side, Stu brought up the conventional gyms. And although I think it's a different archetype, it's a different type of person that went to a conventional gym, I do think that boutique fitness centers, specifically like ours, will be in an advantageous position if we can get through the next several months of challenging times for the following reasons. Our model is based on a little bit bigger than a traditional soul cycle, yoga source, et cetera, where we're not, we're not having one person per every two feet. We, had, we already had people spread out, right? We already did. That was already part of our model. So that's great. That's a step above. But we also have a big advantage for the conventional gym. The conventional gym has a very hard time managing where people go, how they go, et cetera, because it's not part of their business model. We have. Since day one, we've been about come on in, come to the whiteboard, okay, go do this, go do that, go do this. And so I think that it's going to put us in a more advantageous position because whereas the other gym is going to have a hard time accommodating more people, we might be able to accommodate more people over time because we can actually dictate where they stand, what they do. And I think people are going to want to seek out classes that they know what the expectation is. Whereas when you go into a conventional gym, you might not know. There might be 100 people, there might be two people, but I think they'll know when they come in ours. So I just want to shine that positive light because I do think if we can get through the next couple of months of challenging times, new people will come out of the woodworks. Jason's not wrong. I think right now is a great time where a Globo Gym member of four years might be like, you know, I've been playing around with the idea of doing some boutiques, so maybe I'll check it out, but it'll go back to this. I had Gold's Gym that down the street from me shut down. We're talking 7,000, 8,000, 9,000 members. Again, even if 10, 10 out of 8,000 message me this month or the month I open up, I do whatever, what the fuck would I do with them? I only have so many spaces. So many of you guys are in 3,000 to 5,000 square foot facilities. I just want everyone to be very cautious and understand like, oh my God, there's opportunities to be all these lost fitnessers that need places to fitness. And I'm a place to fitness. I could totally capture that market. You can still storytell. Hey, did your gym shut down? Are you looking to maybe start some boutique fitness or some group coach-led workouts? Are you looking to have your own space and blah, blah, blah laid out with equipment and all that? We're making sure everyone's safe. We have, I think it's a great storytelling and advertising you guys can run. But please don't get crazy on this whole, like, I'm going to run some kind of ClickFunnels Facebook ad at, at Gold's Gym members and get a bunch of them to join because, again, you can't funnel enough people. You guys know what bottlenecking is? Your bottleneck is this fucking wide to fit new people in. You're going to have to get very creative in how you introduce new people in to the program. Because every new person you add in on a limited model, only be able to service 50% of your clients in any given class. And that's the other thing, Jace, from a money perspective, I don't know what your opinion is. I don't like seeing a gym that was going seven classes a day, one hour, max of 20 people per class. 
going to 14 classes a day, max of 10. Like going to 14 30-minute classes a day with that many people in it versus to try to fit the same number in. That's yeah. going to be really tough. Like, what are you going to, are you going to double your payroll expense for two? Well, Stu, a class was an hour and I'm going to have a coach do two 30 minute classes. Uh-uh. No, coaching two 30 minute classes is not the fucking same as coaching one hour long class. That's a completely different thing. Oh, how about the breaks for the cleaning too that you guys got to factor in? There's just so much logistic change that needs to happen. Cleaning real quick. I, I don't know if this kind of transfers into the new thing. A lot of us look at like, well, we have enough wipes and all the members are going to wipe down their stuff. Your members are not members of your cleaning staff. It is great they're going to wipe it down. Make them wipe it down, but the buck stops with you, buddy. You have got to go ahead and make sure that you are also cleaning on top of it. We all know that member that does like the meh cleaning job with the wipe on the equipment. And I know people will probably be more attentive now, but don't rely on just the members in the 5.30 p.m. cleaning the equipment for the people in the 6.30 p.m. It's going to be on you, your responsibility, your equipment, your building, all the, your business to make sure there is a staff regulated cleaning protocol. That's where you're seeing this, like hydrostatic sprayers are gonna be probably a popular option. Retail stores are gonna be using them because people touch retail and the store just wants to be able to go and spray a bunch of shit all over, kind of like a Lysol aerosol can and kill the shit and not ruin the clothing or make a huge fog or anything like that. There's a lot of stuff for us to uncover. That's why I think it's smart that Jason, even though he's forced to by the government, he's chilling and waiting, I'm chilling and waiting because we still have no idea what the logistics look like of opening back up. So don't, you know, don't sprint and speed to get to a fucking traffic jam. Does that make sense? <laughs> Evan, do you want to answer these two questions? Uh, Ian's asking slightly off topic, um, but I, um, have you heard from CrossFit in regards to affiliation fees? So um, I don't, <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I don't talk to them. <laughs> do, you want, uh, do you want to answer it, Jason? <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, I, you know, aside from all the competing I've done, I think I've probably gotten a call from the affiliate group um, very few times in, in, in recent history. I, I know I probably speak for most people on that case, but I think that they had talked about for a while ago they were going to remove affiliation fees. Um, Ian, I think it brings up a bigger conversation, personally. I think it, it brings up a really good time where you're sitting back, you're saying, hey, what, where do I want to be three to five years from now? What, what is Ian Pacino? What does my business stand for? Is it going to be a CrossFit affiliate? Hell yeah. Is it going to be a strength conditioning club? Not CrossFit affiliate? Okay. Is it going to be called CrossFit XYZ? It's a really great time for you to take a deep evaluation. If you think there's a ton of brand equity in the word CrossFit, go for it, man. Find a way to pay your affiliation fees or talk to CrossFit to negotiate effectively. And I'm sure they're going to give you a break. But I think this is a really good time to say, hey, where do I want to be multiple years from now? Because if you ever want to make a shift, right now is the time to make a shift. For us in our business, it's like the wild, wild west. Anything we wanted to do, we're just doing because it kind of has like an asterisk in time. Like, oh, we're adding class reservations? Of course. We're maybe removing this class and adding this class? Of course. Like, we're able to level set with things that we were thinking about for a long time. Yeah, that's perfect. And I mean, we've talked a little bit about protocols. I don't think we need to drone on too far into that anymore. That's pretty straightforward. Uh, in terms of cleaning supplies, we've talked about that, I guess my only existing question there to you, both of you is, is there a, is it being an underrated risk uh, to having enough cleaning supplies on hand to, to preventing a gym to open? Or in other words, like, do you foresee that being a legitimate significant business expense as people get back open? I'm yeah, I'm, we're going for, we're 
we're looking at whatever, because we have a, we use Zogix, Z-O-G-I-C-S. I don't know how many of you guys use them. Awesome company for clean supplies, things like that. Anyway, I use them and we're just 3Xing our orders because I anticipate at a minimum, even at half capacity classes, we will 3X our usage. If people took two, two wipes for my little dispensers, it's gonna be, it's, it's just good. It's human nature. It's how it is. I worked out in here the other day. I grabbed more wipes than I, and I'm paying for them. I'm like, why did I grab that many? It's just because I want to do a really good job. It's just human nature. Your cleaning supplies will be 3X. Any of you guys who had, you know, you hired your members, uh, you know, you know, high school son to clean your gym. Mm, I don't know. I mean, you might be looking at a commercial cleaning thing from now on. I mean, the kid might do an okay job. I'm not saying whatever, but I'm just saying any of you guys who kind of skirted around the expense of cleaning as a commercial fitness facility, cleaning should be one of your biggest expenses. It really should be a commercial sweaty gym. Sh cleaning should be up there, you know, payroll, rent, cleaning. It just should be. Merce is a thing. So, you know, ringworm's a thing. Like these are things, and now you got COVID as a thing. This idea of like, oh well, no, we can do a perfect job. You know, my boy Justin over here in the comments, he's like, no, listen, we're totally capable of cleaning it ourselves. I believe you are, but if that's how you did it before, I don't know about you guys. Like we cleaned in between classes before. It's what we did previously will not be enough. Justin, you need to show that you're doing more than what you did before. It's a good PR play. It's a brand play. It is a customer service thing. If you're just like, hey guys, no, the cleaning protocol is the same. I still have, you know, Sally's half wit, you know, son in here cleaning nightly and with our pushing our bulldog scrubber and you haven't elevated your cleaning standards. In my opinion, you're going to lose a lot of brand equity and faith and trust from your customers. You have to do more than you did previously. Yeah. I, that's hey, just Brian, my opinion. Brian, you talk about the bulldog scrubber. Um, for many, many years, many years, we did not use it. I mean, many, probably 10 years, we didn't use it. And two years ago, I'm like, dude, you know what, man? We gotta, we gotta clean the floors better. I wasn't happy with the mop and bucket. It just, it seemed gross. It seemed like I was taking dirty water and just making it dirtier. It just, it just wasn't right for me. And so what our definitive solution was is that we went from stall mats in our gyms to all roles at every location and that not only did that help to keep the gym looking better but it also made it a lot easier with the bulldog scrubber so one of the challenges we had with the bulldog scrubber with stall mats is if is if your stall mats expand and contract with heat and cold sometimes there's a layer of separation there's a gap between them and that can be challenging because the water from the bulldog gets into them so just be aware of that if you don't have rolls and you have stall mats just something to think about but i think it's a great product i'm not sponsored by them i have no affiliation i paid for them boom um i think we could go down a very very deep dark windy path on cleaning and what's uh what's perfect what's imperfect what your experiences are with it so i think let's let's move on from that and if you guys do have other questions and you want to drop them in this channel you know it saves the chat channel and i'll be sure to follow up with these guys uh if anything you know piques our interest um let's talk about the experience of fitness and what and how that might change as people come back. Obviously, again, inherent in this whole process is uncertainty. But uh, Stu, you're you're in an interesting place because from a branding perspective, you decided to do, you know, the, those squares a long time ago. Uh, why don't you talk to me a little bit about maybe why you did that? A quick quick overview, and then like, 
I think a lot of gyms are looking at that now as the the space set up for how they're going to come back. So let's, let's embrace five, it. Yeah, for everyone that understand, that's my backstory. In a five year period, I dropped CrossFit. I became, I created a new brand called Urban Movement, and I got rid of everything that is iconically CrossFit. No dropping barbells. We went to five foot barbells. I removed the pull up ring. No more climbing ropes. No more chalk. I got rid of all the things that I I just I didn't want for the brand that I was going to try to mass produce. And with that now. It's funny now because you get rid of the pull-up rig, everyone's like, well, what do you do for those kind of exercises? And we put a pair of high rings and then a pair of low rings hanging from the ceiling. So you go to your box and how it's always with urban movement, all your equipment was in the box. If you can do pull-ups, you have your high. If you can't, you have your low. And these options that now just make really good sense in COVID. And everyone's kind of looking at that and asking questions. And I think the experience for a lot of CrossFit gyms, they can't change it to that degree. Like I'm not telling people they need to do that and get rid of the pull-up rig and all that. You'll have some temporary changes, like a pull-up rig, especially on the size of yours, depending on how big of a re that's a, that's a community used piece of equipment. We'll all agree. That's probably going to be on the back burner, depending on how many ergs you have and bikes and all that, that might be on the back burner. Cause that's a, a shared piece of equipment. Hell your water fountains are going to be put on the back burner and taken offline temporarily during this entire thing. Everyone's experience is going to be altered, but again, our customers are willing to flex with us. They are. While some of you guys might hate it that, you know, climbing ropes is definitely probably not a good idea in phase one or phase two, um, maybe forever. Um, it's, it's not because customers are not going to be pissed that you took that away. They understand, they get it. Their entire life has been changed by this and everyone they know. So I think you guys need to realize that as you flex in your rules and you change things, the customers will too. And this is a great time. Jason said, anything you've ever wanted to change about your business, you want to get like, you want to get rid of chalk. This is a great time to do it. You want to stop letting your members bring their fucking shitty kids into the building. Cause you don't have daycare and they just put them against the side of the wall with an iPad as if they're a duffel bag that's a great time to stop doing it. Like if you want to stop that now, that's a great time to do it because you can get away with it. But the experience lives in the, it's not the workout. The experience is what you're doing before the workout and after the workout, the feel of the workout. And that's the thing that COVID can't take away. It, like my front desk still gets to have their little inside jokes with members as they come in. Now I give everybody a cold scented aloe towel at the end of class. Am I still going to do that now? No. That doesn't change my experience. It doesn't ruin the workout. You guys can 100% preserve your individual gym experience if you had it dialed in previously that you could actually articulate what it was. COVID's not going to take that away because you can't use, you know, the, the you guys can't use the pull-up break. That doesn't impact you whatsoever. Um, hey, Evan, I just want to touch base. Justin, I really appreciate your sentiment here. Like, how is it safer to go to get alcohol, go to a smoke shop and vape in an adult store, but not come to the gym for a thruster? And look, I'd be lying to you. I mean, I don't think there's a single person on this call that would disagree with you. No one. Stu, Evan, myself, of course. We, how is it that, that you can go buy alcohol, but you can't come to our gym, right? It blows my mind. But the reality of the situation is that is what's been mandated. And I, just like I don't have a, my business doesn't have a political, religious preference. It is a neutral entity that the sole responsibility is to provide value, generate revenue, and create profitability for our staff, or whatever you want to call it, right? But it's separate from me. Jason Kleepa might think, dude, how the hell is a vape store open, but the gym can't be open? But the government is mandating we can't be open. And so by the state, by us opening up the business, we are opening ourselves up to, I think, a lot more risk and liability than, than what meets the eye. But that is someone's personal perspective. That's, that's just... I understand where you're coming from. I'm just letting you know that's my worry, is that it doesn't matter what I think, 
it's what the state and county regulates that that really makes a difference when I, you know, when you get some type of lawsuit. Now, I also want to address me when, when we reopen, we're going to reopen with a different type of programming. And so from a programming perspective, at NC Fit, we have NC Go, which is at-home dumbbell workouts designed for it. We have NC Metcon, which is more traditional CrossFit, 60-minute uh, class, uh, Olympic weightlifting, complex-ish gymnastics. That's a, that's a dentist staple for a long time. But we have NCX, which we've had forever. It's, it used to be called NC45. We changed the name. Um, and what that is, just a fundamental strength and conditioning workout. No complex gymnastics, no complex weightlifting. And for us, when we reopen, we're going to lean heavily on NCX because I believe that's going to be a great program for the future. We'll probably still have some Metcon classes, but we have a whole reintroduction plan in terms of programming to ensure that our members get a really good experience. Because what's going to happen is you're going to get some guys that come off the couch, right? A guy like Stu, all fired up. And if you program Fran, what do you think is going to happen? Stu's been used to doing it in two and a half minutes or whatever it is, right? And he's going to come in and he's going to want to try and approach it at the same speed, the same intensity, because he doesn't want to not PR. So I think one of the things we need to take in consideration is how do we make that these initial workouts in a way that when someone leaves, they had a great experience, they had fun, but they could still do a little bit more. And I think if we go at it with that approach, we'll keep them safe and they'll keep coming back for more. So for us, we're leaning on our NCX and our new, um, we have like a, we're rolling out a three week, um, like reintegration program that we're going to be using at our gyms. So I just wanted to put that out there. Solid. Jason, can you actually sum that? So, yeah, I think this is super important. So a lot of folks are, are questioning like, all right, so I started, I evolved my business overnight. We've been doing, you know, remote coaching or online, online classes, whatever that looks like. A lot of them are actually doing like PT at a, at a level that they're totally not used to completely remote nutrition, counseling, all that. Um, can you just actually quickly summarize some of the things you've just covered though? in terms of what you envision things look like from a service offering perspective as we come back? Because I for, think that's important. And still we'll talk us, to you after that. For us, traditionally, we had NC30, NC45, NC60. So I'll just give you a quick backstory. We used to be hardcore CrossFit. And I realized that not everybody wants to do Amanda and whatnot. And just because I like doing certain things doesn't mean that everybody else wants to do things. So we came out with a 30-minute kind of sweat style class. And what we found was that it was, it, it was too far away from our, our core offering. So we came out with NC45. So we had a 30-minute class, a 45-minute class, and a 60-minute class. 30-minute was low complexity, 45 had more complexity and variance, and 60 was our highest. When we get back into the gyms, we are going to remove some of the programs that, that aren't aligning with our core vision. So our vision moving forward will be NCX and NC Metcon plus go for at home. Anything outside of that, we're removing. We've had a burn class, a build class, a this class, a that class. And when we tried to be everything to everybody, it became challenging for our business. Hell, we offered yoga, spinning, and Pilates at one point, right? And so for us, we're using this as an opportunity to say, hey, where is NC Fit going in the future? Who is our demographic? Who do we want to go speak to? And let's, let's, let's run at it. So our reintroduction, um, we, have, we have a three-week plan that um, if you guys want to check it out, you can go, go check it out on the collective. But for us, I think we're going to lean more on NCX, personally. I think that people want to come in, get a good strength and conditioning workout. And I think for a while, at least, the snatching and the muscle-ups can kind of take the back burner until we reintegrate them into some of these things. So that's, that's where we're at right now. Perfect. And Stu? For my, I mean, I can speak to my business for Urban Movement. Um, nothing, again, we just 
coincidentally, just coincidence, we're just set up perfectly for a limited capacity, government regulated, reduced social distancing type gym. Like it's just perfect the way we're set up with the operational capacity and the squares and the pick your spot model. So nothing will change. The only thing that has changed um, for urban movement, it's always been a replication model. And uh, we will, we've already started talking to people and taking applications to replicate this. And that was, a, so that was something I was going to push back three years. But because this has happened, there's so many gyms now that are having to think about operational capacity and some of the core tenants of the model that is urban movement that's allowed that. But I, that, that doesn't really give everyone a lot of value. This will, I think. For the micro gyms that are, um, that are looking at, to answer Evan's question, kind of where is this thing going and how does – I think a couple things can happen. Those of you guys who are not up to snuff, and this is embarrassing, even I have to, have to even say this you weren't like having people register for classes, like things like that, right? When you have amazing pieces of software like Tribe out there that make it so simple and so easy and you can see how many people are coming in, I think a lot of you guys are gonna step up the class registration game. I think a lot of you guys are gonna install, this is very tactics, class cancellation policies. We charge $20 every time you register and you fucking no-show. You wanna know why? Because in a pick your spot model like you all have right now, whether you like it or not, you guys are all like me in spin studios for the next fucking three, four months. They have to pick one of their nine available spaces or 12 that the government gave you. You've got to pick it. And what happens is someone with that unlimited membership registers and then says, deuces, I'm out. I'm going to play Fortnite instead. You're going to be pissed because it could have allowed Sally to go ahead and get into that spot. You're going to want to charge them. You're going to want to punish them. But they're on unlimited. What are you going to do? You're going to start installing class cancellations and no-show policies like every other boutique fitness company in the world does, except this CrossFit micro gym lagging market where we still just, ah, oh, you don't have to register. You help me paint the walls. Get in here, big fella. Let's go. Let's do this. You didn't show up and you said you were going to? No big deal. Where's your dog? I Guys, you're going to step up the, the level of professionalism with your business. It's and this going is a great to time to do it. Bro, it's yeah. well west. You didn't want. You were thinking you didn't want dogs in the gym because they're a risk and liability, and they have hair all over the place. Do it now. You didn't want kids in the gym. Do it now. You want to get rid of your towel service because it costs us five thousand dollars a month. Get rid of it now. It's just the best time to just say all the things that you did it. Like I want to do cross reservations for a decade, never incorporate them. Now's the time. You know. Yeah, it is. It's, there's going to be a lot of it. And um, I, I think the one big thing too is also, you know, Jason talked about the beginning, going back, whoever does your numbers, whoever's your bookkeeper, whoever is your CPA. And, and if it's like, you know, your mom's friend that you like, get a professional, someone to look at your books, W to your employees, maybe W to yourself. W, like, just like, I think this is, that's where it's going to be. It's going to be in the professionalism. I don't think CrossFit gyms are going to go non-CrossFit. I don't like that's. I, I think it'd be some people that rapidly change their model, but by and large, I think we'll all do this smarter. I don't think any of us will ever see this again, like this level of this again in our lifetime. This is a once in a lifetime, this is crazy kind of experience. But I think we're all just gonna be a little bit smarter coming out of this thing. And ultimately, I think uh, gyms will shut down in your area. And let me tell all you guys, do not worry about finding the members of those gyms that are lost. My biggest thing is that I'm licking my chops for the employees of some of those gyms good quality hardworking people that were underpaid and they understood that even though they might have carried the flag of that shitty gym down the street obviously that flag didn't last and maybe they've been watching you from afar and i'm telling you this i'm licking my chops waiting to see the gyms that go down in my area and the areas of the gyms i work at where we can acquire the most the highest value is hr and people who work for you and jason can attest to that huge company almost how many members do you have how many members do you have, Jace? Yeah. A uh, couple, I mean, not Thousands? including corporate. Yeah, Thousands? not including corporate, okay. 2,000. Corporate, 5,000, 6,000. 
Correct. But how many, and how many, like when you think of like your main core people that work for you, that help the business do what it does, he wouldn't trade any of those people for a hundred members from a local goal. Like guys, when you see these other gyms going down, which I, I RIP, I hate that it's happening and pour one out for them. But I want you to realize the best thing to gather is not their loss, you know, members, those members will find you if you're the right fit. Look for potentially good employees because so many of you guys right now are still doing everything yourself. You don't need another 50 members. You could use a fucking GM though. That's yeah. a really good point. Why don't we dig through some of these questions and then we'll, we'll bottom line it for folks. I don't know if you guys have hard stops, but I want to be cognizant of everyone's time here. Um, so Asia Barto, Asia, what's up, man? Uh, Asia! He, he asks, uh, Stu, what is your operational capacity in square footage? Uh, so urban movement is currently operating in a 4,000 square foot box. Our goal is to get that down to 3,200 by, by the end of 2020, but we're going to have to push that back and everybody's box is an eight by six, um, that we utilize here. You have to factor in travel, what I call travel distance and the way we run it. We have an erg lane or a walking lane and an erg wall. So we factor that in. So the average person is going to take up around 75 ish square feet. Um, we incorporate for ours, but again, ours is a true in-place model and for in-place that means they stay in one spot they don't go to a wall to do kipping handstand push-ups they don't travel to an erg so it's an in-place model so again it's going to be a little bit different based on the, what what other gyms do methodology and training protocol wise sounds good arturo asks due to local economy struggle tourism based economy our members may have a difficult time paying the same price uh on the comeback here should we be empathetic about that and decrease membership rates so arturo I'd answer this the same way I would if we were COVID or not. You need to do a deep dive in your business and start recognizing what do I need to charge for the amount of space that I have, for the amount of members we're trying to accommodate, what do I need to charge to, to run a prof professional, um, profitable business? Whatever that number is, you need to come up with that number. And if you can't charge it, then you need to either increase the service value um, or maybe not open in that space. So. I think, you know, being empathetic and trying to find ways to work with people is fine. But I think the bigger question is like, it's not, it shouldn't just be like a, you know, kind of shooting in the dark for what you need to charge. You should be able to identify, okay, I could fit this many people in this many square feet. My rent is this, my expense is this. What do I need to charge? And that could be a hundred dollars. It could be a 120, 150 to create the 20 to 30% profit margin that I need to live off of. And then whatever that number is, you got to go out there and, and uh, increase the value to, to earn it. On. Guys, if you have any questions, drop them into the, uh, the channel now. Otherwise, we're going to be wrapping up this pretty shortly. I don't think I see any other ones drifting out there. There's George Gregorius. Georges. Georges. Um, is, is that Greek? I love that name. Yeah, that is, I think that's Greek. Yes, we will be mainly, um, when we reopen, we will be probably pivoting more towards a fundamental strength and conditioning program and a little less away from complex gymnastics and complex weightlifting for a while. And then based on member feedback and what's going on, we'll go from there. Um, my hypothesis, well, it doesn't even matter what my hypothesis is. I'm gonna let the community speak and do um, an analysis and, and surveys. We will be offering NCX and NC Metcon, um, not concurrently, but like probably 70% X, 30% Metcon, and we'll see how people adjust accordingly and, say it, and get feedback. Say it, say it. Your hypothesis is that they're going to like it. Say it. Yeah, my hypothesis is that they're going to like it. That's his fucking hypothesis. I want all you guys to listen to this. This has nothing to do with COVID. The future of what's going on, coming from a guy like Jason, who is the, the games, the sports side of this whole thing, guys, 
creating fitness facilities that have nothing to do with sport of fitness. God, I just, I'm so glad you said that. I just wanted to make sure it got out. But I, it's, a I think it's, it's a hypothesis. It's a hypothesis. right. He's not wrong. He's not <laughs> wrong. It's exactly what's going to happen. All right, all right. Uh, Victor, what about studios and boxing gloves and heavy bags? People are going to have to bring their own uh, boxing gloves, right? I mean. Yeah, I mean, most of those studios, so Rockbox, uh, Rumble, and Box and & Flow, and Metabolic, you, you have your own gloves anyway. Yep. Most of the studios, yeah. You should, they, and, and, you should and, sell some gloves. Some of them have rental yeah. programs, but they'll, they'll remove yeah, them. Rent yeah, and Victor, even if you could clean them, I mean, dude, it's like when you go to the bowling alley and you put on the shoes. I always feel great. Like, so I, I, I used to do a lot of Muay Thai, and I would hate putting on another person's pair of gloves, and I'm not even like a weird – like, I don't mind getting dirty. It just felt gross, and it would always smell. So hopefully if you own one of those, you should just get, tell people to wear their own. Ian asks, thoughts on opening up a brand new gym in the upcoming year post-COVID. Is there an opportunity there for gyms who, to open up a new location or open up a brand new gym for the first time? 100%. This isn't the end of anything. Of course, it's just as good of a time as it was before, maybe even better. You might find a real, a real estate spot that uh, the former business couldn't survive COVID and they died. It's, it's just as good of a time, guys. We're not, this isn't it. There's going to be a lasting economic uh, impression of this whole thing, but it's just as good of a time. My thing, again, would just be like, what are you going to do differently than the previous people who were there that goes beyond your coaching community and programming. What are you actually going to bring to the market that's unique? Because I think the reason we have 15,000 CrossFit gyms and we see this is just because everyone is just, it's a replicated thing, not being attached to each other. That's why when guys do something different like Jason, or they do something different like an urban movement, it's very like, Ooh, it's watched from afar and very like, what are you guys doing? And why are you doing it like that? Don't be afraid to try new shit. Jason started making changes before he saw anybody else do stuff. And he saw people do stuff and probably took some notes from them. Same thing with me. When you guys want to make changes in your business, have the gump to go ahead and do it. That's what you got in this thing for. You're a risk taker, that you're a problem solver. Try some new stuff. The market isn't dead. If this taught anybody anything, Peloton's not going to put us out of business. You should feel, I mean, like, we're not going to go out of business because of Peloton. We're going to have to have a remote revenue stream. You're going to have to do video like you're going to have to. And if you guys haven't seen the new stuff, like with Jason, the level of the stuff he's putting out there, it's next level. It's what I think is truly going to be the future of that level of service. But no, you're absolutely not. There's going to be a market for it. It'll just not be a 7,000 square foot CrossFit gym where everyone has their own prowler and there's 36 ropes hanging from the top. And, uh, you know, people have a, there's a, a cubby where people put their weightlifting shoes. It's not going to look like that. How do you guys see a smaller gyms continuing to provide virtual programming virtual training to their members that don't necessarily have their own app like a tribe or a true coach or a jason khalifa nc fit app completely branded <laughs> i think that you know identifying so for us um we have now pivoted to full length follow along multiple camera good audio music uh pre-recorded content which is uh, n not recommended um for everybody but we also have the Facebook lives that, that people just know what they're getting themselves into where it's a little bit lower quality every now and then the internet might get a little shaky and that's fine because it's more of a community builder. So I think if you have a brick and mortar studio and you incorporate it with a daily Facebook live as an example, that could be a way to remain sustainable because it's not too, too much. But once you start pursuing apps and this and that, it gets very expensive very fast. So my recommendation would be to identify something that's very conservative so that you could keep going even after you reopen and um, try and find a way to do it well. Like Stu and I were talking about, um, you know, a webcam and, and, and connecting your computer directly to the ethernet cable instead of using it over Wi-Fi. These are examples of little things you could do to enhance the experience for people. 
Yeah. Studio. Madi- that's, go ahead. Sorry. I was, was going to say, and, and Madison, just not even to, to sit here and plug Tribe, but at the same time, like when you're thinking about if you, you don't have your own app, Tribe has an app that you could potentially have. It's $100 a month. True Coach has a, a really, really good remote coaching service. They're, I think, $30 a month. It might be 20 so, I mean, to, to us, that's usually around like one to maybe two members. And for most gyms, it's like a half a member. So I think it pays for itself in those circumstances. I know that you're always looking for ways to reduce operational expenses, but the amount of value that that item can provide should be 5X to 10X what you're paying for it. And that's just the way we think about it. Although, as Jason put, there's, there's a lot of alternative uh, options there. Go ahead, Stu. Yeah, I wanted to plug Tribe real quick. I, like, everyone knows I'm a big fan of Studio which is a free, exactly what you're asking for. If you can't afford what Jason has, Studio is free. Go check out Studio. But no, all my clients that have Tribe don't have to use Studio because they have Tribe. And Tribe has done an amazing job making the UX on that phenomenal. And it's all in one spot versus having to have another app. So if you're a Tribe customer, check out what's already built in. Um, and then otherwise, I, Studio is a free app for micro gym owners to create their own branded version of a remote service. So check that out too. But there's plenty of stuff out there, guys. Yeah. Train Heroic, Trainerize, True Coach, everything, you know. And Madison, I'll also caveat it with a big old caveat that that's like, we're not perfect for everyone. So talk to our team for 10 minutes. That, that's the best thing that we're all about. If you end up churning off the platform in three months, it doesn't do our sales team any good. It doesn't do our platform any good. It doesn't do your business any good. So we're not about like shoving people into a funnel. All I can say is have conversations to determine if something's really right for you before you're like, oh, that's the solution. You know, just there, there's website browsing, window shopping, but then there's actually like just talking to a real human for 15 minutes. And I would recommend doing that. Uh, next up, uh, Nick, how do you see micro gyms online services moving forward? Should you be creating content for your current members in the sense of workouts, accessory mobility, or creating a completely new online program to bring people in? So I'll just say this real quick. I think that if you're an owner operator, you've been doing brick and mortar for a long time, start using maybe Facebook Live or whatever you want to do and keep it super, super simple. The problem is if you dive in too deep and you spend three hours a day trying to create mobility, accessory work and workouts, those are three hours of the day that you as the custodian of this fitness center are not focusing on making sure your members inside the gym are getting a premium experience. So if you could outsource that and other people do it, it's just the problem is the online marketplace is very saturated. You could get kick-ass mobility and workouts for very cheap. So what are you going to do to go out there and put out a better product to win? And I think what it turns into is that they have a personal connection with you. So how do you use a gym as this personal connection as Beacon and then have additional um, online services to support that, not vice versa? So if you want to go try and compete against Peloton, it's going to take you a long-ass time to do that. Yeah. Uh, Brian asked one of these, probably a good final question for us to start bottom lining it. He asked, what is your number one item that you're excited about that's coming out of this COVID thing? Whoever wants to go, that's, that's important. What do Everybody you, making more video content, everybody making more video content and thinking about operational capacity. I've been saying the word operational capacity and just wah, wah, wah. And now people have to consider and co- like actually figure out how many people they could have in. I'm very excited. Like I'm a huge COVID fan for that, that part. I think what people are going to look at is, you know, for a long time, we've tried to look at our business with multiple different legs to the table and we have corporate digital this. I think people are going to start looking at it and saying, Hey, what other legs of revenue do I have? Um, and they'll look at it more like a business. Num- number one, number two, there's going to be so many opportunities. Like, I am chomping at the bit to find out what happens because not another time in our lifetime, and I hope this doesn't happen, will something like this happen. So what type of opportunities are going to be out there with commercial real estate, with, with new gyms? Um, look, there's going to be a lot of people are going to lose. 
But if you keep your eyes open, if you stay diligent, there's gonna be a lot of people that could win and thrive through these challenging times. If you're an entrepreneur, truly, you should be like jumping out of your seat right now to get through this challenging time and then, and then see, see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What, um, I mean, and I just want to emphasize, like, there's a lot of watering holes in this, just getting to like, just getting together like this to, to collectively pool our knowledge base. I mean, I would consistently, I would just emphasize, emphasize following Jason, following Stu, looking at the content that they're putting out. It's all toward to help you guys. That's why we're doing, you know, this right now. I think pooling knowledge base and trying to understand all of the uncertainty that's out there on your own is a humongous mistake. And if you listen to one entity, person, business, you will also fail. Okay. I mean, you need to collectively pool resources, talk to friends, talk to uh, people in the industry, go onto Facebook groups, go onto affiliate groups, uh, and, and really just elevate the amount of knowledge that you're taking in. So I just want to emphasize that as a, a key point, going back to what I started with, which was leading and learning and finding that balance. Make sure that you're always th taking time out of your day to learn from what's going on out there. You should be reading nonstop and you should be attending these types of webinars. You should be looking at different blogs. So, you know, I, I want to give it to Stu and Jason to kind of leave us with, with one thought for the future. And if you guys could kind of speak into all the gyms who are here today, all the studios who are here today, what, what's the one thing you would kind of tell them moving forward? You, me, you, me. Uh, sure. Um, I, I would say that, you know, guys, I think, I hope that when we speak, I'm not telling you what to go do. I'm just sharing insight on what we're doing. And we own and operate locations just like you guys do. And um, this is what we're going through. Right. And so we're sharing that with you. And if, if anybody's out there telling you exactly what to do, um, they don't know. We're just sharing things that concern me, concern us. And just take them, take what you like, embrace it. Take what you don't like and get rid of it. But don't get mistaken that every one of us owns a business. And I think this is a really great example. It's not a hobby anymore. Hunker down, identify where you want to be at in three to five years. And let's create a plan to get there. Because right now is Wild Wild West. And you can consolidate as much as you want. Let's go. Yeah, the only, oh, and by uh, the way, visit the NC Fit Collective. Come on, I got to plug. I <laughs> got to plug them. Uh, guys, the only, the only constant in life is that everything always changes. And this is just one of those things where the, the gym owners who are comfortable maybe in a 2006, 2008, 2010 model, and they were reluctant to change or their tree is being shaken and they probably feel more personally attacked by COVID than a lot of us do. Just realize that this is just like anything else. It is forcing a lot of change in your business. Like I talked about the, you know, the digital and the remote revenue stream, the operational capacity, becoming more professional, W2ing, all the stuff we've discussed. It's forcing that. And the gyms that can just be a little bit more fluid and roll with the punches and zig and zag, we're all going to be just fine. This is not terminal for us. It's not. But those of you guys who want to complain because your governor's a dick face and no one's letting me do this and I can't do that, you're, you're going to get steamrolled in, in time, not by anybody, but by, by your own lack of willing to roll with the punches of what the new the new normal will look like. And no one knows what that is. So doing stuff like this, like give it, you know, try, you know, and I'm, a, I'm obviously a huge fan of what they do. No one's been putting out as much content as they have like from this that are leveling, like getting like me and Jason together consistently the second time. And me and Jason are busy enough putting out fucking fires in our own businesses. And um, I've really enjoyed doing these, but this right here, like sitting down and learning, just listening to people and being willing to hear someone else's opinion, even if you don't like it, because it means that you can't keep your chalk bucket. 
I think that's where you're going to win. I think that's where you're going to break through as a business owner and, and you'll be able to evolve and talk about this in 2030. Yeah, Stu, Jason, listen, guys, we'll wrap this up. I really appreciate you both taking the time. I know the 150 people that were on this webinar today also appreciate it. So uh, thanks a lot, guys. And again, if you, if you left early, if you know someone who left early or you want to watch this again, rewatch it, it is being recorded. It's going to be posted on our Facebook channel. It's going to be uh, posted on the Enduring Coronavirus Facebook group, but also on our, on our Facebook channel, like the Public Tribe one. So go check it out there. And, and thanks a lot for, uh, for stopping by. All right. Thank you, Anytime. everyone. See you, boys. Peace. Bye.